Please turn in your copies of your scriptures to Matthew chapter 5. We are this morning moving on from the Beatitudes in our sermon series through the Sermon on the Mount. We come down to a very familiar passage, very familiar words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16 will be our passage of study this morning. Here's God's holy, authoritative, infallible, inerrant word to us this morning. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let's pray. Father, it is our desire this morning that we would give glory to you. And so now as we study your word, we pray your Holy Spirit would take the things known to you and make them known to us so that we may be changed. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. What is it about those old epic stories that get us excited and and interested in them. Perhaps you've read certain series like Lord of the Rings, or you've seen movies like Braveheart and The Patriot and others. Why am I always using illustrations from the Chronicles of Narnia? What is it about those old epic stories? Well, we love drama, don't we? We love to see good triumph over evil. For me, I, I love those epic medieval battle scenes when the good army is getting ready to storm the battlefield to conquer the evil army. And in those scenes, what does the leader do to get everybody excited and get everybody prepared for victory? What does the, the leader, the general of the army do? He says something like this. In the name of the king, let's go and take this field. Or in Narnia terms, for Aslan and for Narnia, let's go fight this battle. See, I, I can feel it right now. Everybody's getting excited. Let's go do this. Any battle that is, that is worth fighting for is because of a certain cause. There must be a cause. There must be a reason and motivation to go into battle. The people have to live for something that they're willing to die for. Well, for the follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, our cause, our reason for living, Jesus says in verse 16, is to bring glory to the one true king, to God your Father who is in heaven. As we've just come through studying the Beatitudes, we've looked at those eight Beatitudes and saw that Jesus 
taught us how we're to, to be. This is what a Christian is like. This is what a follower of Christ is, is like. But now as we get into this passage, Jesus is going to show us how to live this out. How the character that we are to have is to manifest itself. And in verse 13, you see very specifically, Jesus says, you, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Jesus is talking to you. It's emphatic here. He's talking to his disciples, talking to those who were sitting there on the sermon, during the sermon on the mount to, to learn his teaching. And Jesus has a message for his followers and that message comes to us in the name of the King. And that message is to bring glory to our Father who is in heaven. Christians are called to bring glory to the Father who is in heaven. We do this in two different ways. There are two ways, two metaphors, two illustrations that Jesus gives us here. That of salt and light. We are to be salt and light. These, these two word pictures teach that there should be something markedly distinct, something very different about Christians from the rest of the world. Kingdom living is, is different from worldly living. And these words of Jesus, to be sought and to be light, show how totally different believers are from the world, yet how intrinsically connected we are to it. You've heard that it said that we are to be in the world, but not of the world. Christians are in the world, but not of the world. And that is because of what Jesus taught us here, how to be salt and light in the world. But first and foremost, let's look at Christians are to be glory bringers. Christians are to be glory bringers. I thought all week there has to be a more grammatically acceptable way to say that than glory bringers. But I came up with nothing because I got a C in English in high school. <laughs> <laughs> We're to be glory bringers. We're to be heralds of glory. Look at what Jesus says again in verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. What, what, is, what is your main purpose in life? Why did God create mankind in his image? Why did he create the world in general? For, well, for one purpose and one purpose only, so that we may bring him glory. All that we are, all that we do, all that we live for should be for one purpose, to bring honor, to bring glory, to bring praise to the Lord, to glorify the Lord. This is the essence of kingdom living, that we bring glory to the king. This is the teaching, the Sermon on the Mount. You're to bring glory to God. You are a glory bringer. And at verse 16, that is at the heart of what Jesus is trying to teach his followers. This is what his followers are supposed to be. Everything in life. Everything that a disciple of Jesus is, is about bringing glory to God the Father. 
This was Jesus' mission and goal. This is why he came to earth. And this is why he prayed in John 17, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. All that Jesus is, all that he was for us, is what he wants us to be. To bring glory to God the Father. A theologian, Charles Prince, said, The most important thing about any of us is not what we do, but what we are. And what we are is glory bringers. We are to bring glory to God the Father. Jesus tells us actually how we're to bring glory to God. We are to be like salt and light. And if you think about salt and light, there are two things that radically affect their environment. There are two things that we absolutely need in this world and that have many uses. And so glorifying God will be like these two things. It will be in some ways secretive, behind the scenes, like salt. Yet paradoxically, it will be like light out in the open. For all to see. These are the marching orders that Jesus gives to us, his followers. We're to be salt and light. Disciples are in the world, but not of the world. They do not love the world, but they seek to affect the world. They do not withdraw from the world, but seek to impact the world. Like salt and light. So let's look at these two metaphors, these two descriptions, these illustrations that Jesus gave us of salt and light. First is Christians are salt. Look again in verse 13. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You're the salt of the earth. Those are words very familiar, right? When we began to describe someone that we love, someone that, we, that is dear to us, someone that we really appreciate, what do we say? You know, they're just salt of the earth type people. That expression came from Jesus. <laughs> he actually gave us those words. These words are very familiar to us. They've become everyday language because Jesus spoke them. But why did Jesus teach his followers to be salt? Well, salt was very commonplace in the ancient world. Even the poorest of homes would have access to salt and have uses for salt in their homes. Salt was also used in Israelite Old Testament sacrificial worship. Salt was to be sprinkled on certain offerings that would be used in worship. Salt was very prevalent around the Dead Sea in the ancient times. So it was readily available to the people to, to mine it and to use it. But like I said before, salt is very secretive, isn't it? It's kind of behind the scenes. You don't really notice salt. We keep it kind of in the cabinet in our homes. It's not just everywhere in all places for us to use. And even when we use it, it oftentimes dissipates, dissolves. You can no longer see it. 
But salt has many uses when you think about it. and had many uses during ancient days. In ancient days, salt was used as a preservative. You can have refrigerators and freezers. And so salt would be rubbed down all over meat and certain foods to keep it from decaying, to keep it from spoiling or going bad. It would slow down the decaying process. So I think Jesus had this in mind for his followers, for disciples. We are to be like salt in that we, we, as his followers, we act as a preservative. We preserve the good in the world. We penetrate society much like a preservative to affect good or to to bring about the righteousness that Jesus requires from his people. We're to be like salt in that we are a preservative. We, we preserve the good. We preserve all that that God has called good in the world. But what does this look like? Again, salt in many ways is secretive. Unless you're one of those people who literally likes to dump a cup of salt all over their food, you... You don't see it working. You, you, you taste it, and you, you feel its effects in your mouth, or you, you see its effect from, say, the, the salt water in the ocean, but you don't really notice it because salt is, it doesn't function like a tidal wave. <laughs> it doesn't have this epic, big effect on things. Our use to be salt in this world... We are to be preserving. And our preserving works in many ways behind the scenes. Because doing good, preserving good for the cause of Christ is not always out in the open. It's not always seen by everyone. Sometimes the most good that you can do can be in your own home. Behind your windows and doors for no one to see, no one in the world to see, yet that preserving of good that God has called Christians to do. Believers in Christ, they affect their communities. They have an effect on what is going on around them. Much like if we were to take a piece of meat and pour salt on it, it is totally going to change the taste and the flavor of that food. Believers stand up for what is right. And in our day and age, let me just challenge you to say that that's more than just get involved with politics. Christians should be involved with politics. You should vote for the good. But there's more ways to affect good in our world in this day and age besides going to the polls, which is very important. But how about serving the poor? How about picking up trash? <laughs> how about being a good in nature? What about in your neighborhoods? For those neighbors you know, they don't have anybody to clean up their yard after the storm. They don't have anybody to help them get the groceries in. What about in your places of work? 
where you know perhaps your employers are doing something unethical and that is really bothering your conscience. How could you affect good in that situation? What about even in your own family? Your own family, which may just be an utter mess. How could you begin to affect good? Be like salt to them. Well, salt is not only a preservative, it's also a seasoning, right? We, we pour it on something and to help with taste. Many of us, salt and butter are like a food group to us here in the South. <laughs> because salt does bring out the flavor. And I think Jesus perhaps had this in mind as well. Likewise, followers of Christ, they, they give seasoning. They give Grace, they give flavor and, and sweetness to life like salt does to food. So what does this look like? If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and you walk into a room, perhaps at work, or join a conversation out in the street in your neighborhood, and as you approach that conversation, you're hearing vulgarities of all different kinds and flavors, flavors being flung around. And as soon as you walk up, automatically the conversation changes. Oh, my Christian neighbor is here. Let me, let me change my language. Why does that happen? When you begin to tell someone that you're a Christian and they actually see that your Christian behavior is radically different from the world, why do... <laughs> Why do they stop what they're doing? Why does it stop people in their tracks? Because Christians are to be like salt. We are to be a sweetness, a fragrance, a, a taste that comes to being like Christ, to affecting the world for Christ. It wasn't long ago I had to have a bunch of rotten windows replaced on my home. And I knew that when a bunch of contractors are going to come and hang out at my home, I'm, they're going to get the gospel at some point. Because <laughs> they're around there a lot, a long time, right? Well, I began to talk to this, this crew and learn that they were believers. And they loved the Lord and they were doing their work for the Lord. And they said, Mr. Shirley, the reason why it took us so long to get to you is because we had to be the crew that had to come out and work on your house. I said, oh, why is that? Well, the owner wasn't going to send any of those other crews to a pastor. <laughs> and I thought, well, thank you, I guess. <laughs> Why? Why did the owner do that? Because he knew I was a believer. Not just that I was a pastor, but he knew that I was a Christian. And we're to be like Christ. And if we're going to be like Christ, it's going to going to cause a different reaction among people. And hopefully we can be so like Christ that it wants people to be different, that people want to be different, that they want to be changed, that they want to be drawn to Christ. And we'll see that more here in a minute. I think Jesus also had in mind that salt is also like an antiseptic. So you've been running through the, the woods and the briars scaped, scraped up all your legs and arms and 
Then next week you have a family vacation at the beach and you go and you spend some time in the salt water and in a few days you're like, hey, I'm, I'm healed. <laughs> the salt water cleaned your wounds. Salt heals, it can clean. Likewise, believers bring healing to a broken and hurt world. Believers are the first ones ready to be there in the mess and in the hurt to affect the world for Christ. But, Jesus says, if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. That's important for us to know for you scientists in the room. (laughs) Salt, sodium chloride, cannot lose its taste. It cannot lose its chemical properties. But more than likely, the salt that Jesus was referring to and the salt that would have been available to the people here of ancient times would have been an an impure, an unrefined salt that would have been mixed in with other elements. And so the sodium chloride that gives us its salty, salty taste that would have been around the Dead Sea, it was impure and it could be leached out. The, the, the saltiness could be washed out by the elements. And so that salt wouldn't be any good. It would have no use for the preserving and for the seasoning and for the healing and any of those things. And so what would they do? They would just throw it out in the road so they could be trampled on by feet. It could be used as a pathway. That's all it was good for. It could not be used for preserving or seasoning anymore. Because if salt loses its taste, it loses its function and it's useless. And Jesus gave this illustration for a reason. Because followers of Christ that are not doing kingdom good, that are not affecting the world like salt, then they're not being disciples. There it is. (laughs) Be like salt. But if you're not being like salt then you're worthless in the kingdom. If your relationship with Christ, if your followership of Christ, if you claim to be a disciple of Christ, if you're not being like salt, then you're worthless. Because if your kingdom living is no different from worldly living, then what good are you? Nothing. Nothing but dirt. Nothing but road-building materials. Brothers and sisters, may we take this call to be like salt seriously. May God grant us grace and favor to be like salt so that we can bring glory to our Father who is in heaven. But remember, being like salt can mean doing the work of Christ in the smallest in most unseen ways. Because that's how salt oftentimes works. This is the secretive way in which believers bring glory to God, being like salt. But there's also a more pronounced way, more out in the open way that believers are to bring glory to God. 
And that's by being light. Christians are to be light. Look in verse 14. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, is what Jesus says. Think about it. Light is not hidden. Light is revealing. It's, it's how we see. You cannot hide from light. Light will overtake darkness. Light also gives security, right? It, it makes us feel safe. One of the first things we did when we moved into our new house here in Huntsville is I went around at nighttime and started strategically putting night lights up all over the house for the children. Really, it was actually for me, for I would be able to feel safe and secure. Let's just be honest. But Christians, disciples of Christ, or to be a light to the world. Jesus says, like a city that's set up on a hill. And you can see it from miles and miles and miles away. Salt is secretive. It works in some ways behind the scenes. But light is very revealing. It's out in the open. Christians are to work like salt, secretly, and even discreetly affecting society. Yet... Jesus says we're to be like light, showing Christ to the world. We're called to be both. And we don't like that, right? We want a simple formula that says one plus two equals three. <laughs> but that is not working here because it's both. We're to be salt and light. An important distinction, though, to make here is that Christians are not the light. Christians are not the light. They are to be a light, but we're a derivative of the light. Christ is the light. He says in John chapter 8, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Our light the light that Christians bear is a borrowed light. William Hendrickson says this. He says, Christians are never a light in and by themselves. They are light in the Lord. Christ is the true, the original light of the world. Believers are the light of the world in a secondary and derived sense. They resemble the moon reflecting the sun's light. And I think we get that illustration, right? Lately, the moon has just been glorious. It's been popping with light because the sun is giving its rays onto the moon, reflecting back onto the earth. Christians are to be like that. And then Jesus gives the illustration here that being a light is like being a lamp in a home. And this demonstrates a very important function of discipleship, the very... The very purpose of being a follower of Jesus Christ is to, is to give life, to give light. Giving light is not an option for a disciple. A follower of Christ does not choose whether they want to be a disciple or not. 
It is at the heart of being a disciple. Being a light is just as much a part of discipleship as, as a lamp in our homes giving off light. And that's what Jesus says. Nor do people put light, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. Because what good is a, a lamp that is covered? No, Jesus says, you, you put it on a stand in your home, a nightstand, a, a table or whatever, and it gives light to the whole house. And he says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. How are we to be a light? Well, there's only one possibility. We are a light to the world through a relationship with Jesus Christ. We ask Jesus to shine through us. We reflect his light. And by our connection to Christ, our good works shine for Jesus. Our our good works are the things we do to affect the world for the glory of God. Our good works are, they're not for our praise. They're not so that we can be pat on the back and be (laughs) self-congratulatory. But it's so that our Father in heaven may be glorified. Our good works, they're products of our faith. We don't do them to earn salvation. We do them so that they are visible, radiant actions of the Lord Jesus Christ working in our light, in our lives. We are to be a light by drawing others to the gospel. So how do we let our light shine? Listen to the Apostle Paul in Philippians 2. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. That you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. What is the apostle saying here? We let our light shine by we claim the words of Christ. We tell others the words of Christ. We share God's word with the world. We serve people in the name of Christ. You heard for the first time this morning about an opportunity to go on a mission trip. And I'm privileged and excited to be able to lead this trip. I've been out there many times. And one of the ways I've been most profoundly impacted... And this is just one example, was working on a lady's roof. And she comes out there and talks to our team and asks, where are you from? I said, Mississippi. Why are you here doing this? I'm glad you asked. (laughs) And we get to tell others that we're doing it in the name of Jesus. And because of the love that Jesus has showed us, we share the gospel with others. And Philemon, Paul says, And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. We seek to effect good, Paul says in Philippians 2, in a crooked and twisted world, a dark world. 
And we do this by our conduct, by our good works. Again, Peter says, 1 Peter 2.12, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. Why? So that when they speak evil against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of his visitation. Paul, Peter says that your good works should be such a light that evil has nothing bad to say about it. We are a light by we not only stand up for what is right and what is just, but Christians are like the combat, combat medics. The first ones to helicopter down onto the battle scene and began to affect good and healing to a broken world. We could go on and on and on. But we're to do this, Jesus says, by our good works. We shine like a light, like the light of Christ. But let's be honest. In this day and age, and probably throughout all time, the temptation for a disciple is to withdraw from the world. Or to go to another extreme. Our temptation is to hate the world. Because the world no longer cares about the light. In fact, the world hates the light. And the world wants to do everything it can to cover the light. But the Christian life is to be lived out before a watching world. Christians are to be salt. To be light to the world. In hopes of fulfilling that great promise that we read from Isaiah chapter 60. Where it says, arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For what is the world like? For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, thick darkness the people's. But the Lord will rise upon you and his glory will his glory will be seen upon you and nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. What a promise. What a promise that God will so illumine people with his glory that the nations will want to come and to hear the sweetness of Jesus Christ in the gospel. So may God grant us grace so that the nations, so that all people will come to our light and they will see the Lord and they will glorify him. Amen. Let's pray. Our God and our Father, we, we readily admit that we feel worthless. We feel like a light bulb that's been worn out. The Lord, help us to see that it's, it's not up to us. It's not in our own strength that we give light. It is because Jesus Christ himself comes 
and illuminates us with the gospel. So, Lord, we pray that by the work of the Lord Jesus Christ in our, in our lives, in our midst, in your church, that we would be salt, that we would be light to the world, so that we and others would be, bring glory to our Father who is in heaven. It is in your name that we pray. Amen.